Welcome to the show. You're listening to the Hope Radio Podcast. Real stories, real people, real hope. My name is Sean Davis. I happen to be your humble host and joining me, my co-host in life, the mother of my children, <laughs> my beautiful wife. Her name is Jess Jen. And you're along with us as we keep the hope train a moving on down the hope tracks. Choo-choo. Yeah, you like that? <laughs> yeah. A little subtle change to the intro. I got it. You got it, and you <laughs> rolled with it, just like a train. That's right, choo-choo. <laughs> and you're, little, you're, you're losing a little choo-choo ether. <laughs> your, your choo-choo is getting a little less choo-choo. Choo-choo! Chugga, 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 choo-choo! Ooh, I'm glad I said Good that. One. Yeah, you, you got your choo-choo back, <laughs> just like I got my fire back. How you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, I am too. I'm doing great. I'm doing so great. Yeah. Oh, I guess you are. That Me was too. good. Huh? That yeah. was good. Yeah, that was got good. Got a little pep in your step. I got. There. I got a little pep in my step. You know, I lost a little pep. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's every once in a while you have you know a challenge that you know puts you in a fetal position. You know, oh. kind of makes you you know, and even a hope dealer like myself every yeah. once in a while has like moments of not so. Hopey, hopey. That's when you need to listen to our show. I know. You know what I need? Here's what I realized. Mm. Not that I need to listen to the show. Yeah. I just need to do more shows. That's because right. then listening to great stories right. of hope, hope, of perseverance, yes. of trials and tribulations and overcoming them and thriving and rising higher in new levels, levels, that helps you to be more hope filled. That's right. That's why we do the show. That's exactly right. Yay, us. <laughs> We got a great interview today. I'll tell you about it in a second. But um, overall, how are you doing? Are you do like, like I feel like you've been bright eyed and bushy tailed lately. I am always bright eyed, bushy tailed, just like the Easter Bunny. You are. You're so cute. Bitty hoppity Easter's on its way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love Easter. You know why? Why? Because the Easter candy is amazing. I think you like candy more than I like candy. Oh, I know I do. Yeah. I could live on candy alone. Really? Oh my gosh, yeah. What would be, well, okay, so if you're oh on an gosh. island, let me ask you this question. You're okay. on an island. I already island, have the answer. You can only have three types of candy. Okay. What are you going to have? I'm going to have Cadbury chocolate eggs. I'm going to have the new Tootsie Roll eggs. And I'm going to have the hard-shelled Cadbury chocolate. So not the ones with the ooey-gooey that I said the first one. You know, the ones you yeah. crack it. Oh, I love those. Man. I love to just like take the insights out and like, mm, so good. Wow. And I actually do want some nerds jelly beans. I said only three. Oh. You can't break the rules. Okay. And. Jennifer. I have a lot of candies I like. I know. Jeez Louise. I'll take some you Reese's you peanut butter eggs. Oh, man. <laughs> I was just going to say, you didn't even say my favorite candy of all. I saved that best for last. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. Actually, that's not my best. You know what? I actually think the favorite that I have of mm -hmm. all of them mm -hmm. is the trees, the Reese's trees at Christmas. Oh, I don't judge. I don't care. I like that they're I a like triangle. I and like I, And all. I bite the tip of the top of the tree off first. Ah, uh, nope. Yeah. Just eat it all. What? Yep. Really? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I don't mess around when it comes to candy. I know you don't. All right. Speaking of food. Yes. Because we were on a candy discussion. Okay. And now we're going to speak of food. Yes. It's time to tell a joke. How and you always tell jokes. About It's funny food. time. It's funny time. And Jen's going to tell a joke about food. That is right. You All right. You ready? You know me. I am so ready. All right. Here we go. Okay. All right. Go. Okay. 
Where does the Easter Bunny like to eat breakfast? Where does the Easter Bunny like to eat breakfast? In his Easter Bunny whole house. I hop. Ah. <laughs> All the waffles you could imagine. I should have gotten that one. I know. I like IHOP, but I haven't been there in years. We don't go to food restaurants. We don't. Nope. But you're a foodie. I know, but I make my own food. Here's the thing. We go to food restaurants only when they're in Mexico. That is right. We live a different life in Mexico. We're like secret agents down there. We're different people down there. They have the best sushi. They do have the best sushi. Mm -hmm. And we see, we don't go go out to eat at restaurants in where we live in California. No. But we're in Mexico. We go out to eat at restaurants all the time down there. Yeah. Why is that? Why is that weird? The just fresh. Why do we do that? I don't know. It's interesting though. Right? I think you know what here's here's how we why we do it. It's because we lay out in the sun all day and play. Nobody wants to go inside and cook. We just want to like hang out. Yeah. So like the sun makes you tired. So if you're out like surfing and playing in the water and taking True. the Can Am, like you're just not going to cook. You want to just show up and eat. True. That's true. Right. That. Yeah. All right. My turn. Your my turn. time for a, a funny. You ready? Okay. I'll give you a turn. All right. Here we go. Okay. Okay, so you know I like the one-liner. So here's the one-liner joke. Okay. Always borrow money from a pessimist. They'll never expect it back. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good idea. (laughs) You know what I've realized? You know, like, I'm a glass half full kind of guy. Like, I always think positive. Yeah. Sometimes you're a a pessimist when it comes to to the outcomes. That's actually not true. You'll See, think of the you'll think of the I th- I think of the good and the bad at the same time yes. because my brain thinks faster than yours. So What? I'm actually thinking the positive, but I'm also thinking the negative and I have to weigh both of them. But Why does the I, negative weigh more? It doesn't. I just like to be aware of the bad. So do you offer me the negative just to see what my response is going going to be? How I, how I, if I've thought of it or if I address it. Pretty much. Wow. Very strategic. Yeah. Because smart. Because there's, you can get really excited about something, which there's nothing bad about that. But there's always. Am I one of those type of people that get really excited about something and then. No, you, you get excited about everything, but then some things can happen. So if you're prepared, then you're prepared. Yeah. For either way. And that's See, how you're a I, planner. Yes. Like you like to be prepared. Yeah. I'm a like go out there and do it. Yeah. You totally are. Yeah. I mean, I am in some areas of my life, but mostly I want to know the positive and the negatives at the I get same it. time. I get it. And then I make my opinion based on that. Well, um, I understand that. Yeah. All right. But here, here we go. We got to get into our interview. Okay. All right. So we're going to talk to a couple. A couple. Yeah, this is the first uh, time this year that we've spoken to a husband and wife couple. And we're going to talk to Beth and Randy Seavers. Okay. And Randy runs Running for Rhett. Oh, I do know Running for Rhett. Which is a uh, charitable organization mm-hmm. that is uh, named after their son, Rhett, yes. who they lost. He had cerebral palsy. He fought a courageous battle over uh, seven years and... Um, once he passed away, it was really, really hard on Beth. And uh, the one thing that really helped her come out of it, mm-hmm. rise above it, and, and actually start the process of healing was a friend of hers had asked her to go for a run. And so now the charity Running for Rhett, which is in our backyard in Sacramento, mm-hmm. which you knew about before we even yes, ever started this whole podcast because yeah. you're a runner. Yeah. 
that was all born out of his life. And I'm excited to talk with him. I'm excited to talk to him about the charity and Rhett and yes. all the good things that they're doing inside schools and getting kids to be active and all that kind of stuff. So uh, I am going to call him, get him on the line, mm-hmm. get them on the line, yeah. and we're going to jump into it, okay? Okay. Here we go. All right. I've got Randy and Beth Seavers on the line. Welcome to Hope Radio Podcast, you two. How are you doing today? We're doing great. Thanks Fantastic. for having us today. Yeah, thanks for having us. Hey, uh, my pleasure. Happy to have you and excited to chat with you. And so just for the benefit of our uh, audience, our listeners, tell us a little bit about yourself. What do you guys call home? Uh, what do you do for a living? We live in Elk Grove, California, which is just south of Sacramento. And uh, we've been here... Since 2003. Yeah. In Elk Grove since the, the early 90s. Yes. So we definitely call Elk Grove our home. I work for the Sacramento County Office of Education and also with Kaiser. Awesome. Well, Jen, she grew up in Elk Grove. Is there, is there, is, I think it's called, uh, is it McKee Elementary or something like that? I'm, maybe I'm remembering it wrong. Yeah, McKee Elementary is definitely a, a school here in Elk Grove, and they're actually a part of our youth fitness program, which you'll hear more about in a minute. That is awesome. And Randy, what about you? What do you do? I'm the executive director with Running for Rhett. My background includes 28 years at the Sacramento Bee. Uh, and then after that, I uh, I spent some time doing uh, some, some ad agency work and working at a radio station. I found home here with Running for Rhett in 2012 full-time starting in July. Now I get to oversee uh, this this growing nonprofit. It's like the little train that what is it that you said that you could that, that it, yeah. it wouldn't do it, but we we think we can. So the little the little train that could, right? Yeah, train that could. I love that, and you know we were talking offline, and you and I ran in some of the same circles, know some of the same people, but I don't think we ever officially met but it was it was funny hearing some of your backstory about broadcast communications radio etc because I had done a radio show for a long time so we knew some people in common absolutely and it was great to have a lot of my media background uh, when establishing the nonprofit it was so nice to be able to reach out to previous contacts that I had in the business and and they just helped us grow and so it's been it's great to Never burn bridges, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I've always lived by that motto myself. Just because you you just never know. Life is is interesting, and I find that oftentimes you'll close the loop. Somebody that you're with, or something that was left undone or unsaid, or maybe some relationship. I've experienced that myself. So I, I teach my boys don't don't burn any bridges ever. Exactly. Well, and the world is a lot smaller than we think. Yes, I agree. You guys uh, running for rat. I know that their hope story is is uh, there, but I know that it didn't begin as a hope story. So why don't you, for the benefit of uh, of our audience, share a little bit about your life and your story that's brought you to this point where we're talking about hope today, and and that brought you to a point where you're running a nonprofit. I'll let you unpack it for for the benefit of our of our audience. And I always I always hand it off to Beth. I know the story well, but nobody tells it as well as Beth does. Awesome. I'm gonna let her tell how we all got started, and and then I'll jump in in a minute. Okay. Randy and I uh, were married. He had two previous children um, that I uh, got to uh, raise, and we decided it was ready to start our family and got pregnant. And we were excited to have a baby join us in February of 1997. Rhett was born. And perfect pregnancy. Perfect pregnancy. Yeah. No, uh, no problems, no issues. Great delivery. We brought him home. You know what? Two days later, or even a day later, 
we were so excited. He met his big brothers, big sisters, aunts, uncles, grandparents. We were excited to have a little baby in the house. But then we started questioning some of the things that Rhett was not able to do. At about three months old, that's when the tests started coming. MRIs, CAT scans, x-rays, blood tests. So Beth, what were you noticing? What, what were the things that you felt like were not normal? You know, in the intro, I told you I was in early childhood education. So Rhett wasn't able to track uh, with his eyes back and forth looking, you know, at us. He wasn't a good eater. It took him a long time to um, drink a bottle. And he never slept. And when I say literally never slept, the child never slept. Um, well, he would sleep if he, if you were holding him, but never on his own. So some of the things, you know, three months old, you know, some of the movements start to to start to roll over. He wasn't, he wasn't doing any of that. Lots and lots of tests later, uh, we were given the diagnosis that Rhett had, um, cerebral palsy and that it was going to affect his arms and his legs. And the cerebral, cerebral palsy was caused by... It was caused by a prenatal virus that I got, you know, perfect timing right now. And we're talking about COVID and how it affects people. Uh, this was called the, the CMV virus. Don't ask me to spell it, but I can say it. It's called the cytomegalovirus. People get it all the time. It's, you know, and, and I must have got it when I was pregnant. Yeah, the and doctors were able to determine that she caught it sometime between the 14th and the 17th week of development based on the virus attacking Rhett during that, that part of the pregnancy. And so what, what part of his brain was affected by the virus um, was developing during the 14th to 17th week. How did you guys handle that? I mean, that had to have been like a ton of bricks just dumped on your front lawn and said, you yeah, figure it out, like out of nowhere, you're not expecting that. And so how did you guys process and, and handle that? You know, it it took a lot of uh, turning in, you know, to each other and saying, you know, what are we going to do? You know, how are we going to raise this baby? But really, it was Rhett who brought us through it because no matter if we were sad, if we were angry, if we were feeling at the depths of our despair, you still had a baby you had to take care of. You know, he was our part of our family and we did everything with him. He went everywhere with us. We started educating ourselves. We started talking with teachers and doctors and other parents that had children um, with special needs. The internet wasn't available at that point, and so we were just starting to break into the internet and learn how to learn how to use the World Wide Web. And so we were having to, to dig deep and find a lot a lot of information about some of the challenges Rhett was going to have. But he, like Beth said, he went everywhere with us. If you guys are united, if you come together and unite, and then you're right, you've you've got this child you got to take care of. You can't sit there and, and stay in your lament and, and worry and and uh, despair or whatever over the diagnosis. You got to just get up and, and get going. You got to take care of this boy, and you got to take care of yourself. Absolutely, and we knew that that was important. That was an important part of our life. And we had two other children that loved Brett and didn't look at him with any special needs. And then the people we surrounded ourselves with didn't look at them different. And so that's kind of how we raised them. We were just like, you know what, he's going to go to school and he is going to, you know, have friends and, you know, we're going to do as much normal things as we could. 
Now, I don't I don't know a lot about cerebral palsy. And so I guess my question is when when they diagnosed him, did they also give him some sort of um, life expectancy? Was it diminished or was it like, you know, I always think about Down syndrome, et cetera. You know, you, you can have a 45 year old Down syndrome person or, or even older or whatever. So what, was there a diagnosis that way that um, was was something that you were delivered? The neurologist actually um, told us that uh, Rhett probably would not make it to his second birthday. Oh, my gosh. And so we brought Rhett home and we did everything with him and we raised him as best we could uh, with all the knowledge that we found. And um, but it wasn't unusual for Rhett to get sick um, during uh, the change of the season. And we spent many a days and nights and weeks in the hospital. And uh, getting to know lots of doctors, lots of nurses. You know, when Rhett was seven years old, he got really sick and he went to the hospital and he didn't come home. And yeah, you can imagine um, I had quit my job. I owned a, a family child care home and stopped that to take care of him. And so I became, I didn't have an identity anymore. I was Rhett's mom, and now Rhett wasn't here. And the only thing I had to do during the day was go pick up Brandon from school at, what, 2.55 uh, from high school. So I didn't even drive to the school. He met me around the corner. And that was kind of what I did until a friend of mine, she was training for a, a triathlon at that moment, um, and I thought she was crazy, and I said, that's not for me. Uh, <laughs> and I said, oh, I don't think I like running. I like to go to the gym, but that was more of my social hour. She introduced me to running. And I realized when I ran, I was happy. And we signed up for a race and I enjoyed it. And she brought me to a meeting about a half marathon. And at this point, I thought she was still crazy. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I don't, a half marathon, that's 13.1 miles. But they told me the date of the um, half marathon was going to be on March 13th. And that was Rhett, the day Rhett died. So I said, all right, somebody bigger and better than myself is telling me to get up, get out of bed and move, do it. So I signed up and I had a training plan and told me what to do every single day. I needed that at that moment. I needed that. Somebody to tell me what to do. When I crossed that finish line, I was so proud of myself. And I looked to my family and my friends and I said, we all have to do this. We have to run for Rhett. Yeah, when, it, when she ran up to me and she said that, I was like, are you nuts? But how could I <laughs> How could I say no? I was a, you know, I was a Friday night softball guy and I like to go to the gym too, but I wasn't a runner either. And so, uh, the following year I said, I'll train with you and I'll run it too. And so the following year we had 35 people and we had this crazy idea me being in the marketing world. I said, let's get baby blue shirts and let's put, you know, a picture of red face uh, on the front of our shirt. At that moment, we, most of those people knew red. You know, so we were like, oh, these are all our family and our friends. And so we all wore baby blue and with red face over our hearts. And we said, okay, let's do this. And so we all did some sort of 5K, 10K or half marathon that day. 
So there were 35 of us. And then the, the following year, we, we established a training program with that same woman that came knocking on the door and telling Beth that she needed to go out and run, and, and run or walk with her. Uh, we had some people start wanting to be trained for a half marathon. And so the following year, we had 125 people that signed up to train with us and they all paid us money to train them. We didn't know what we were doing. <laughs> well, did. Yeah. Our trainers knew what they were doing. Our trainers knew what they were doing, but we didn't. And so we weren't even a nonprofit at that point yet. We did it, did it that year. Everybody ran the Shamrocking again that year. And then the following year, uh, we had 250 people that signed on and joined us to, to train again and just gained more and more momentum. So in 2007, we established ourselves as a nonprofit in December of 2007. And now we have, uh, we've established uh, quite a little, uh, quite a little nonprofit here in, in Sacramento. We're based out of Elk Grove and we fund Northern California's largest after school youth fitness program with the money that we raise. Well, let me, let me just say, number one, kudos to you guys for, for doing that. I mean, as a, as a guy that was not a professed runner myself. Now, my wife, she's always been a runner. Uh, for me, it was that was not something that I uh, thought of as fun. It was not something that I thought of as joyous or something that I <laughs> remotely wanted to do at all. I remember the very first time we decided to run, I ran a half marathon and it was a Disney half marathon and uh, I didn't train for it at all. I just, we just, we just, there were four of us that just showed up and we just decided to, to run this thing. I think I could walk like three days after that. I think, but the first two days, like the end of it, like my legs were like spaghetti. I couldn't stand, like, I'm like, what did I just try to do? So it's a, I mean, there is a euphoria that comes over you when you finish a half marathon and, you know, something significant, something challenging like that. But I can only imagine in the context of what you guys were dealing with. And, and, you know, I love running for Rhett. You're running for Rhett because Rhett couldn't run. You know, and I love that message. I love that, that, you know, you're going to do something in his name, in his honor that he couldn't right. do. And uh, kudos to you guys, though, for, for even thinking that. And Beth, I mean, I, I, it sounds like that friend that, that came by, it sounded like she, she, you know, did a decent chunk of saving your life at that point. Like she got you out and got you into, into movement and, and you found something that you could connect with happy that would then help you form a base of kind of rebuilding your life again. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it put a community around us that supported us and these, this new community, these were people that didn't even know Rhett. So it wasn't like, Oh, I have to do this because I know Rhett. It was a community of like-minded people that wanted to get up and move. And then you find out that everybody has a story. Everybody has somebody in their life that they are running for. Or walking. Or walking. And that's what was so powerful. As we started talking with other people, we started saying, you have, you have a story. And she's like, yeah, but it was ret." Story that got me here and now I'm sharing my story that's what keeps us all engaged as the the nonprofit has continued to evolve it's it's become more than just running our tagline that we've ta- attached ourselves to is called move into life and so we believe that that's what Beth did back in 2004 and now we encourage other people to do the same thing for whatever reason that they have whether it's 
you know, somebody in their life that, that has uh, lost a loved one or whether they themselves has been affected by something like that, um, they can feel like they have a community to go to. I, I love that message. I love that mindset. Move into life. What a, what a great three-word, you know, synopsis of what I, I believe and I have experienced myself is, is a great mechanism for improving fitness, improving your overall mental well-being, and that is movement, you know, like for me, like I, like I said, I was never a runner. I'm a runner now. Like it's just, it's something that I, I, I do get joy from. I do get passion from, but my journey began as walking. I couldn't see running initially. And it wasn't until I did this repeated streak. My wife does a streak where run, walk, jog a mile a day in the month of June. She's been doing it for seven years for her Instagram followers, but I, I did it four years ago for the first time. And it was developing that habit of movement daily that then I piggybacked into wanting to run. And then running became, you know, running trails and running on the street and, you know, that kind of thing. So I think that move into life is, is beautiful, very appropriate. I've, I've lived it and experienced it myself. Before COVID, when we would go into the schools and we would talk to the children about participating in the after-school youth fitness program, that's exactly what we say. We say, you know, will you do this because Rhett wasn't able to? Will you move into life because Rhett was not able to walk, run, ride a bike, get on a skateboard? He was not able to do that. So I need you guys to be his legs. So, Sean, let me let me take a step back before we tell you more about our youth fitness program. I have to tell you about how we how we raise money. We have we have all these people that train with us to do these events that they didn't think they could ever do, and they become they train with us. They they learn about our story, and then they go and complete an accomplishment that they didn't think they could ever do, and then they feel passion for for what we do. And so, um, about ten years ago, we were contacted by. Sacramento Brewers Guild. There's a, a, a guild here called the Brewers Guild, and they were putting on a new event called the Capital Beer Fest, of all things. The word got out that they needed volunteers for this event that they were planning to put on, this first annual event that they were planning to put on. And, and uh, one of my board members was a part of the Brewers Guild. And he says, I know a group that could provide some volunteers if you'd be willing to give us a few dollars to have these, you know, have the volunteers come out. And so he reached out to me and he says, do you think you can put together 100 volunteers or whatever it was at that time? And I said, sure, I think our people will do that. And so I asked um, via social media, you know, would anybody be willing to come out and pour beer and move kegs and, and help people have a good time uh, in, in the Sacramento community? And, and they came out in droves. And so the following year after that, the Brewers Guild was not able to put the event on. And so they handed it off to us and we became the owners of the Capital Beer Fest. And so now each year, we put an event on that raises us a nice chunk of money every spring. We're able to funnel that money back into our program that we uh, that we put on, which is our youth fitness program. And so we established our youth fitness program in 2010, in April of 2010, with two schools. And uh, the word got out about the, the program, and we did it the following year. And, it, and again, just like our, our adult fitness program, that the school started signing up and wanting to be a part of this after-school fitness program. And, uh, and we provide five to seven weeks of training for kids after school. Uh, they train for, for a couple of days each week, and then they go home and they train with their parents. And we tell them about Rhett's story, how he wasn't able to run or walk. And we, we challenge the kids to um, eat healthier, and we challenge them to 
run more and drink more water and walk and just get exercise and get outside and get out from behind the screens that, that kids are behind so much of the time these days. And so it's continued to grow. And then this past March, we we had 75 schools signed up in the Sacramento region, over 3,500 kids and their families that were signed up to do a 5K race. At the end of their seven-week training program, um, they are they're guaranteed to participate in a 5K race that we put on. And uh, the kids can do it all completely free of charge to them. They get a shirt, they get a wristband, they get all the curriculum on on how to train and how to how to eat better and drink better while they're while they're training and uh it's just been amazing to watch to watch uh the growth of the program and then uh at the 5k race that we put on uh we 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 watch these kids take off and if you've never seen 3000 it's uh it's quite a sight to see it's so inspiring to see i i'm so 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 proud to, to shoot the gun off when they uh, when they take off. Like thirty five hundred kids taken off from um, from the the track at Hughes Stadium, and they run outside of the stadium and in through Curtis Park and back into the stadium again. And it's just an amazing sight to see. And when they cross the finish line, we have all these volunteers that are lined up there to put a medal around their neck. Oh my gosh! When they when they get that medal, they you'd have thought they got a million bucks. And uh, yeah, it's just it's just an amazing. Uh, experience to watch it each each season and watch it continue to grow every year. I can I can only imagine like when you talked about thirty five hundred kids starting the race. The first thing I got of was like this this vision of a whole bunch of kids with their Easter egg baskets getting ready and like somebody fires off a gun that they can now go run into the field to look for the eggs. Like that was, that was like the vision I got with the fervor, with the intent, with the excitement, all these kids just lurching forward to go find their, their, uh, their, their basket of goodies. And so it, when you, when you talked about that, I thought, oh, so I got to get rid of the basket, but that's what it looks like. You know, all these kids just <laughs> lurching forward and running and excitement and glee. And, you know, some kids but are going to want to be the fastest and some some are just yeah. ha- watching everybody and some are just you know just movement it's got to be awesome what's crazy about it sean is it started off as primarily an elementary school program and as the kids as we you know aged as an organization kids have participated at the elementary school level and they started asking for it as they went into middle school and so we we started gaining more middle school uh, participation and now that the, the middle school kids are are graduating into high school. They're asking for our program in high school. And so we've got a number of high schools that are participating. Um, we sat in on an interview a couple of weeks ago. Um, Beth actually got to speak with a kid that was um, in our original program in 2010. And now he's running on the cross country team. at Santa Cruz. Santa and he's Cruz. actually graduating this year, coming back to Sacramento. And he just, he just couldn't say enough about how, if he hadn't learned about running for Rhett and hadn't run as a, as an elementary school kid, he doesn't think he would have ever run, uh, you know, uh, if, if he hadn't been involved in the program. And so as we hear these stories and as we continue to mature as an organization, it's, it's so inspiring to see what a little something you can do to inspire, you know, young kids to do more. As I listen, I'm, I just marvel at how much good has been squeezed out of a really horrible situation. And I guess, you know, it, it, it makes me wonder, you know, one of the questions I had in my mind is I was going to ask you guys is what, what do you think Rhett would think about all of this, you mm-hmm. know? And then, but I, I think the bigger question that I have is it in, in the, in the deepest, darkest depth of your heartache loss, 
you know, um, mourning over over the loss of Rhett. Did you ever imagine that something like this could be born out of that? Never. No, never. And what's great is the parents get it, and then some of the children will come up. What I wanted to say was the children get it. Some of the parents will come up to us and say, my son or daughter was never passionate about anything. It was hard for him to be excited about school. It was hard for them to be excited about friends and doing anything. But this running for Rhett, he was excited about it. And he wanted to come to school. He wanted to participate. He wanted to wear the baby blue and run. And he goes, she goes, now we get, you know, updates of, you know, mom, we should drink water with dinner because they say that that's healthy for our bodies. And let's go for a walk after, you know, after dinner. dinner. So it definitely trickles up from those children who are passionate about this. The, The bug for running infects the kids and then the kids infect the parents. Absolutely. Right. Just the opposite of the opposite direction that it should. You know, you would think in your mind that that the, that the parents are supposed to teach the kids, but in this situation, the kids are teaching the parents. You know what's what's funny is it's it's the reverse with what uh, we've got going on with uh, Jen streaking with the cool kids that she does every June. So usually she's got a whole bunch of adults. Usually a lot of a lot of women that uh, that participate. But what's interesting is is some of these women haven't haven't done a mile, haven't walked like that in years, you know. And so they'll right. get out, and then some of them have young kids. Well, the young kids. Mom, mommy, can I walk with you? Can I walk with you? Next thing you know, the kids are along every day and then, you know, it builds that habit that way. So it's, it, it is, I think, I think physicality, I think habitual physicality is infectious. It's contagious to those that witness it or see it because no one wants to be the person because it takes away the excuse. You know, if mom right. who, who, you know, maybe has struggled with her weight and struggled with exercise, you know, is now showing consistency, she has, she's out there every day, rain or shine, and she's getting in her mile, getting in this or that, like it really has an effect on the rest of the people around her. And so you guys are doing it through the schools, which I love, you know, so the whole idea of kids is kids want to help other kids, you know, like there's, there, there's not this bias or judgment or whatever. So when a kid hears, oh, you know, this young man couldn't, this young boy couldn't run, so we're going to run for him. Like they, they, oh, okay, I'll do that. You know, it's like easy to, to get them to, to see why they want to do it. But then once they do it, now, now they're infected with the bug. Now, you know, that fitness, that feel good, that, you know, just that, that feeling that comes from it. Yeah, well, and, and also, um, anytime we, we bring a new school into the program, uh, we offer the offer the school the opportunity to uh, have either Beth or myself or, or one of my team uh, come to the school and do an assembly. And uh, there's been times when I've gone into the school and and, uh, and the, the principal will come up and he's like, oh, my gosh, they're wound tight today. You're going to have a hard time getting their attention. And uh and I'll, I, I always say, and then I'll say, do you, do you need a microphone? And I'll say, no, I'll just use my, my cafeteria voice when I'm talking. And, <laughs> and, uh, and so, but I, I get up there and they introduce me on the microphone. And then I, uh, I stand there and I hand the microphone back to the principal. And then I, I, I turn a picture of Red around. This is, it's a poster sized picture. And I say, I'd like to introduce you to Red. And you could hear a pin drop. It's, it's amazing how the kids is so quiet. They are so engaged in the story. I tell them exactly what Beth shared with you to, you know, uh, 
to tell how, how it started for her. I share that same story with the kids and, and oh my gosh, they are, they are in it to win it at that point. A hundred percent. Yeah. I, th- I think that, uh, kids, they, they can be a lot more empathetic. I think as adults, we struggle to find that empathy over time, you know, but I think kids are always much more empathetic than adults. And so when, when they hear the story, I imagine it connects with them really, really well. And, and they have empathy and because of that empathy, it makes them want to do something. And I, I just think it's a, it's a phenomenal program. I, I just marvel at how much good has been able to be extracted out of, out of, what literally is, let's just be honest, a parent's worst nightmare. I mean, no one ever has kids thinking that they'll outlive them. And so to that, to that end, I think what you guys have been able to do has been beautiful. So how, how has faith played a role in all of this? And, and then now do you look at what's been created out of this and just, oh my gosh, look, look at what you've been able to do. Like, how does your, how does your faith affect what's gone on? Well, you know, when, when Rhett passed away, you know, you, you ask a lot of questions. You you ask a lot of why. Why us? Why him? Why me? Um, you know, and I don't know if you ever got that answer, but now that we can look back, it was all here for a reason. It was all, you know, all of this happened for a reason. It, it, uh, it made Randy and I stronger as a couple. It made our family um, stronger. And it introduced us to a new family. We call ourselves the Blue Crew uh, because we all wear these baby blue shirts. And so we've created a community of people that are all striving to do the same thing. And so I think God's work is is at hand right there, uh, just creating a, a, a place that people can feel comfortable and, uh, and a place that people can feel like they're doing good for themselves and also good for the community. And, you know, the, the, I, I couldn't agree more in when I sit here and think about it is Rhett's life is changing the lives of thousands of people. And so like, just think about the beauty in that. Think about like some people go through their whole life into their, into their senior years, having never found their purpose, having never lived the life that maybe God had wanted them to live, not ever feeling fulfilled or feeling like they they made a significant contribution to society. And and here in his seven years, through your guys' effort and through God's guidance and other people coming along, like literally this is changing the lives of of thousands of people and, and will into the future, raising millions of dollars and all of it because of of Rhett. And so I think that's beautiful. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for summing that up. That was perfect. That was perfect. Exactly. You know, I just feel like, you know, there's there's a lot of people right now feeling very desperate, feeling a lot of what I imagine to be financial pressure, you know, health pressure. You know, we've got vaccines coming out. You got COVID worry. We've got lockdowns. So, you know, imagine a restaurateur right now that had five restaurants that may be losing it all because of what's going on right now with, with COVID gym owners and and the like. I mean, some people are doing great and their life is really no different than it was, you know, a year or two ago. Others are just being decimated and devastated. And so when I think about, you know, doing this, I, I think about you guys in the, in the deepest, darkest point of, dealing with your loss and, and again, that heartache and just that, um, I would imagine a cry, like I I'd be doing the same thing. Why me? Why me? Why me? And I think it, 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 you, you have to survive the trauma. You have to survive those, those initial, 
you know, months and or year or, or more. And then I think over time, what you guys are witnessing now, as you look back, you can see God's footprints in your life only when you look back. You know, it's it's hard to see him in the moment, but like as you look back now and see everything that's that's happened and the lives that are changing and how it's fulfilling you and how you're honoring Rhett and and you know he 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 was only on the planet for seven years, but you know he's changing the lives of of hundreds and thousands of people every year. And it's an example of when you're when you persevere, when you when you persevere through the challenges of life. Um, something that you thought would 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 have broken you or maybe permanently broke you like you 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 don't realize that I think in that break just like when a when a bone breaks or just like when you get a scar on your hand or your body or something like that like when it heals it's stronger it's made tougher and I think that's what you guys are are saying this this whole experience has made you stronger but it's also allowed you in that strength and in that recovery to to create something beautiful and long lasting and something that impacts the lives of others. I think back and, and, and Beth, I don't think she gives it as, as much as she should uh, when it comes to how, you know, how she felt because when Rep passed away, I was able to get up and go to work every day. The kids would go to school and, and she was just, you know, she was here at home and uh, I was, you know, so grateful that she was able to find something to do. Hey, Beth, in, in the, in the, in those deep, dark days where it, it just felt, you know, I imagine you were, you're depressed and, you know, it just feels like there's no, there's no, <laughs> what's the point kind of a situation. Um, you know, if you had the chance now, knowing what you know now to speak to that former younger self, younger version of yourself, what would you say? I believe that I had to go through what I went through to get me to the other side. I truly believe that you know, lean on people. And we did lean on people, create a community around you that supports you in your darkest day and in your, in your, your best days. And I feel like we've done that. And, um, but I had to go through what I went through to get here. Yes. Which is, which is, something that Jen and I realized too, you know, we're high school sweethearts, been married for 26 years. We've, we've been through our fair share of trial and tribulation, but it was only when we look back through those events, um, some significant, you know, some very challenging, some of the, the hardest things that we've had to deal with yet coming through that, making it to the other side. You know, I, I like to say that the valley always prophesies the mountain. In other words, the deeper the valley, the deeper, the, the taller the mountain is going to be coming out of it. And so, you know, in that sense, I think that's, that's what you're, uh, what you're echoing there, you know, like you had to go through it to, to get to where you are right now, but at the time it probably felt unbearable. Absolutely. Absolutely. Without a doubt. And so, uh, for those that are listening, that are encouraged by what you guys are doing, how, how do we help? Like, where do they go if somebody wants to support the cause and you guys have uh, Facebook and, um, I'm assuming website and, and the yeah. like. So, so give us all the details for that. Yeah. I would encourage anybody that wants to learn more about running for red. It's just to go to our, our website, which is running for red.org. Uh, and it's running, say, right? It's, it's R U N N I N running for red, R H E T T, right? Correct. No G on uh, the running. No G on the running, but I mean, we own the URL with a G, so it'll take them there no matter how they... <laughs> awesome. All right. 
it's uh, it's running because that's what you know seven year old boys do when they're outside. They run, they're running, they're not running, they're running. So that's why we went with that, just to be a little bit different. But we have a Facebook presence and a Twitter and an Instagram presence. You can find Running for Red on all of those all of those social media platforms. And to just learn more about what we do, I mean, we're always encouraging adults to join our uh, adult fitness groups too. And we have those all throughout Sacramento. Uh, we have meetups that meet, you know, multiple times each week. And we, the way we do our Blue Cruise now is we, uh, we have, uh, you know, a leader that, that meets at a specific location. Uh, we use the meetup platform uh, that allows us to, to find out who's going to join us and who's not um, for a particular workout. But, uh, we charge $15 a month for a, a single person to, to join our, our meetup platform, Blue Crew, um, or $25 a month for a family of four to join our crew. And so it's not a lot of money each month for people to uh, to pay to, to be a part of the, the community that we form, but it, it goes right straight back into uh, the youth fitness program that we're putting on and also supporting the adult fitness program that we put on you know, year round. And so it's a there's a couple of different ways that you can reach out and, and join in the fun. And, uh, or you can do it from afar as well by just, uh, just if you, if your heart feels like you want to give something to an organization that's going to keep it here in the Sacramento region, you can do that as well. You know, I love that idea. And I, I just, uh, I just had this, you know, you talk about meetups and the blue crew and the local area. And I'd imagine somebody listening that's in Wisconsin right now or whatever, but then it hit me. I'm like in the age of zoom, COVID has brought us this whole, zoom experience everything is happening on zoom like you could do virtual walks with people we're going to do a meetup virtual walk you know somebody in wisconsin's doing their walk there they're on their their phone or whatever and they're out outside or maybe they're on a treadmill or whatever but they're going to support the cause and do their virtual walk experience i'm like that maybe that could be an idea maybe that's a an offshoot that could come out of this we've uh, we've played around with a lot of that since March and the COVID exposures and, and, and having to deal with all the COVID stuff. But, uh, we've, we've, uh, done some, some meetup live meetups where we, where we've launched everybody off to go out and, and get a workout in. We've done Strava art where people go out and spell fun things out or, or, or make artistic <laughs> Strava. We try to just keep it interesting, even though people are, are being encouraged to, to, keep their distance uh we we want to we want to continue to keep people uh, keep people connected even though they're being asked to keep their distances well i just started using strava about halfway through the year you know as i was telling you you know we're on like a four and a half year run walk jog mile a day every day thing but i was I, i have a garmin watch and i use garmin for everything and so my wife jen she she linked my garvin to to strava so they could automatically update and so i started using this having no idea that you know, just a day or two ago, I got my Strava year in review and I was like, what is this? And they had done this full, you know, like, you know, video of, you know, the miles I'd I'd done 1400 miles, 1500 miles. I'd done 30,000 foot elevation changes and all this other stuff. I was blown away. So I'm, I'm a huge, so one of my goals for, for 2021 is, is now I'm going to have Strava every single day. So when when I get to that year in review, it should show active days, 365. You know, so I don't, so I don't miss a day right now. It feels like I feel a little less than cause I only began it in like May. Well, you'll have to, you'll have to join the running for rep blue crew on Strava. Yes. Uh, we have a, we have a club there and I want you to check out the run that I did last night. I actually did some Strava art last night. I, I drew out a dog 
um, a picture of a dog on my Strava art last night. So you'll have to check it out. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Absolutely. So as we close out the show, I guess, you know, given what you guys went through and um, as I, as I talked about it before, you know, again, I think would be a, you know, every parent's worst nightmare to, to deal with the loss of a child. And yet you've found a way through that experience to come alongside others and, and literally change the lives of thousands of people and what could be millions of people moving into the future. And so I, I think that that's an example of maximizing or squeezing the maximum possible good out of a bad situation. But as people that have lived it and been through it, um, I want you to imagine that there's somebody right now that is going through their version of that uh, may not be the exact same thing. Let's hope it isn't the exact same experience that you dealt with, but what would you say to them? How could you encourage them? How could you give them hope being that you've lived it, made it through, survived? And, and right now I feel like are really thriving with the cards that you were dealt. You're thriving into the future. So how, how can you encourage somebody that might be listening that's struggling right now? Surround yourself with people that support you um, in your darkest days so that they can be there when you come out of it. And there are going to be days where you you look like you are you have it all together, but down deep, um, those people in your life that know, they know. And um, you need people that know. So surround yourself with those people. Well, and I, I'm always a, a proponent of, of just get outside. And that when, when people are going through something that's really difficult, including myself, I mean, we all have our darkest moments and, and, and some are darker than others, but I always encourage people to just get outside, go for a walk, uh, just just move because it doesn't do you any good to sit in the house and, and just think about all the things that are going wrong. You feel so much better when you get outside and you move. And so um, grab a friend. Somebody will, somebody will walk with you or somebody will go for a bike ride with you. But whatever you do, you need to get outside and you need to, to know that there is more than than what's going on in your life right now. There is a there is an upside to this valley, like you had referred to earlier. The deeper the valley, the the bigger the mountain as you come out. So it's uh, get outside and get moving. Great advice, great great advice. And I, I knew somehow some way we were going to get to that movement. And I and I think that that's so key because when you get outside, you know the fresh air, the trees, the animals, you know the 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 sunlight. You know there's just something about that that. I think is naturally hope giving. So that movement, that ability to walk, that ability to breathe in that fresh air, to get outside, grab a friend, you know, call somebody that you know that is close to you, that isn't going to judge you, that isn't, you know, and just say, hey, I need to take a walk. Will you take a walk with me? I think that's phenomenal advice. Just knock on the door and, and if they say no, then come back again the next day. <laughs> this is true. Well, I, I just want to say thank you so much, uh, you two, for sharing your story uh, about Rhett. Thank you for sharing your good days and bad days with us. But more importantly, thank you for, you know, persevering and through the whole experience, finding a way to extract some good out of it and come alongside others. I really feel like this is something that is changing the lives of others. Even even through this devastating loss, you're coming alongside and literally having young kids and parents and 
you know, edify and encourage you with the stories that they share about how what you've done and what you've created in, in Rhett's memory has, has been so uh, life-changing for them. So I applaud you for, for doing that, and I thank you for doing that, and I think it's a great mission to, to come. And so if anybody's interested in uh, supporting and, and checking out what they're doing, please go to org and uh, check it out. Thank you, you guys. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to, to share our story. We, we love to tell our story, uh, even though it can be challenging at times to, to share it. It's, uh, it's a, we love to share the story all the time. Yeah. Thank you, Sean. And we uh, hope to meet Jen sometime in the future. <laughs> Absolutely. You'll, you'll, you'll do so. She was uh, just taking care of our youngest uh, today, so she wasn't able to make it in. But I, I appreciate you guys, and thank you so much for your, for your time today. Okay, Sean, so I know I wasn't able to be there for the whole interview, so tell us what you thought. Man, I was impacted, yeah. you know, to hear the story of Beth and, and Randy and Rhett, and, you know, I, I feel like every time I have somebody on the show like this that talks about a story, especially when there's a loss of a child, like, it puts me in a situation where I imagine what would I have acted like mm-hmm. what what how would I have responded to it and it's it's I just think it's one of those things that you'll never ever know and you know you never want to experience obviously but mm-hmm. I could sympathize with Beth I could understand why I would I would want to withdraw and close myself in isolate myself and just not want really to do life yeah. And um, I think that that's why, you know, what struck me is the importance of having some really true close friends around you because they'll recognize the situation that you're in and, that, and they'll just grab you. And sometimes they'll just grab you and go, listen, you need to, you need to get outside. You need to come with me. You need yep. to go for a walk. You need to go for a run or whatever. And look, look at what that did. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really sparked the healing process and it actually led to a charity now that's benefiting the lives of thousands and thousands of, of young kids, yeah. you know, getting them to move, getting them into action and, and all in the name of their son, you know? So it's just a, it's just a beautiful, um, I think it's a beautiful Way out of the ashes him. came beauty, Way to you honor know? him and yeah. yeah, I think if, if, uh, something ever happens and, and you're in a situation where you do lose a child, I mean, if you, if you can take that loss and grow something beautiful out of it, mm-hmm. then I think that uh, that that goes a long way. I think it goes a long way towards healing, and I think it goes a long way toward, you know, honoring your child's life, and yeah. I think it uh, goes a long way toward um, just being a good human and impacting others. I just love what they're doing, you know. Yeah. Like like I said before, we, before we even did the interview, I know you weren't able to be there for the whole interview, but um, just to have this idea be born out of that, and then to have it transcend and, and run like we're runners like I yeah. get it I, I, I get that feeling like when I'm on a long run I come back like I feel so accomplished mm-hmm. I feel like I did something I feel like the endorphins the whole runner's high I yeah. get that you know and so I, I just love that they're doing it all yeah thank you Beth and Randy for an awesome awesome interview and thank you for what you're doing to uh, benefit the community our community our local community mm-hmm. you know we celebrate you and we're going to continue to celebrate running for Rhett and uh, sing the praises of the charity Absolutely. moving forward. And I think you can go to www.runninforret.org. That's R-U-N-N-I-N for Rhett, R-H-E-T-T.org. You can support them there, hear more about the uh, charity, hear more about their events, etc. You can also find them on Facebook and Instagram at Running for Rhett as well. So thank you, Beth and Randy, for all that you do to uh, help others. 
All right, Jen. So how do people connect with us on social media? On social media, we are at Hope Radio Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. Yes. And just recently released, mm-hmm. we are on the good old interweb at www.hoperadiopodcast.com. I had to <laughs> It's so there. new. <laughs> I know. Hope Radio Podcast. All things Hope Radio Podcast. That's right. All right. And guess what? What? We're going to be back again tomorrow. We're going to do another show. Tomorrow is going to be a fascinating interview. Yes, I am going to interview Dr. Amanda Eller. If you'll recall, she is the person that was lost in Hawaii. She went for a jog, went for a run. Yeah. Speaking of running. Yeah. Went for a run, didn't take her phone, didn't take water. Just going to be a quick run in Hawaii, in Maui. Okay. Ended up lost in the jungle for 17 days. Yikes. And so we're going to hear all about her story tomorrow. I'm excited. So we're going to be back tomorrow, same time, same place, to hear more hope.